Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Third and final service of today. We want to honor all the moms here. I want to share a scripture that God gave me this weekend, and I titled it Miss Zebedee's Prayer. Everybody say Miss Zebedee's Prayer. But before we get into the word, it's always a privilege to be able to walk into a place like this with total freedom. You know, we take that for granted. So many people nowadays, they don't have the freedom that we have. At the other side of the globe, on the other side of the world, people can't just come into a place like this publicly, raise their hands, and say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. They could be executed for doing that. So can we give a round of applause for the freedom that God's given us to be able to worship him? <laughs> worship God is a privilege, and that's the number one reason why we are here tonight. Tell the person next to you, don't get it wrong. We're here to worship God above all. But today's also a special time to honor our mothers, a special time to honor our grandmothers, our wives. And these are things that can be done in a space of one hour, it's impossible. These are lifetime tasks. It's impossible. It can't be done in a two-hour worship service. Whether your mom is still alive or whether she passed on and no longer have her with you, it's important to honor them. And sometimes we honor them in the decisions that we make. We honor them how we speak, how we carry ourselves. So it's so important to that. I no longer have my grandparents with me. They left a resounding testimony for me to follow. So I, I bless them and I honor them. I am one of the few people that are blessed to have Mother's Day and my wife's birthday fall on the same week. Carly is turning 30 this week. Where's Carly? I don't see her. She's in there. She's turning 30 this week. So make sure when you see her after the service, you give her a big hug. Tuesday is her birthday and she's on celebration mode. She's been on celebration mode since the beginning of May. It's a good opportunity that we have to be able to honor. And I wanted to honor her publicly. I'm just I'm upset that she's not here. This is recorded so she can listen to the podcast. <laughs> but I want to honor her publicly because it's important to do that. Because, you see, words cannot express how grateful I am to God for her life. She's an amazing woman. She is as loyal as they come. She is beautiful on the inside. She is beautiful on the outside. She's an incredible cook. She cooks really good. That's why I'm about 20 pounds overweight. It's because of Carly's home cooking. She could cook. But she's even a better mom. She's an incredible mom. She's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And these 10 years that we've been married, we're going to turn 11 years of being married now in July. But these 10 years have passed like a blink of an eye. And you know what they say, right? Time flies when you're having what? Fun. So that's definitely what we're having with Carly. Um, we have Luca as well, three-year-old son. It's been such an incredible journey. So single guys, where are the single guys here? Raise your hand. All the single guys. All right, single guys, take note of all of Carly's attributes. And when looking for the girl of your dreams, make sure you can cross them all out. Very important. All right. Talking about Mother's Day and talking about what we're celebrating today, they say that when a woman gives birth, in reality, there's not just one birth. There's two births that happen. The first is the birth of the child, but the second is the birth of a mother. And sometimes, especially for, 
if you're a mother for the first time, like in my wife's case, it's, it's all new to you. I mean, you have your parents. My wife has her parents, and she has my mom. And, and a lot of people give you advice, but there's a lot of things that you learn along the way. And sometimes that first child that you have teaches you a lot. Everybody tells us that once you have the second child and the third and the fourth, and we're planning on having about 16, but I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> she would have thrown something at me if she would have been sitting down. No, no, we, we were planning to have two or three kids. But everybody says that once you have the second and the third, it's different because the first one, you, wait, you waited for it, and it's, you, know, you, you don't know, and it's all new to you. And then once you get experience, then it's a lot easier with the second and third. It's funny how as time passes, we tend to relate differently with respect to our mothers. For example, at four years old, we probably would say, mom can do anything. How many of you guys, as a child, you felt like, man, your parents were like Wonder Woman and Superman, right? They could do anything. You got anything that's going wrong, just go to mom or just go to dad. You can tell this when a young kid, you know, they fall, they bust their knee, they scrape their knee or something. First thing they do is go crying to who? To mommy or to daddy, right? Because they could do anything. They're their heroes. At 12 years old, we would say, mom doesn't know everything. At 14 years old, we would say, mom doesn't know anything. <laughs> At 18 years old, we said, mom is totally out of it. She's not in. She's old school. She's gone. At 25 years old, we would say, well, mom knows a few things. At 35, we say, before we decide, let's get mom's opinion. At 45, we say, I wonder what mom would say about this. And at 65, we say, I wish I could talk to my mom. I wish she was here so I could talk to her. It's funny how as we grow up, things change and our relationship or how we see our parents completely change. There was this mother pushing a shopping cart through Walmart and her daughter was riding in the cart and she was being a little bit of a nuisance. She was just screaming at the top of her lungs, kind of what Luca does sometimes to us when we're at the store. And the little girl was just screaming and the mom, wherever she would go in every single aisle, she would, she would start saying, now calm down, Ellen. It will be all right, Ellen. Almost time to go home, Ellen. And, and she would just keep on repeating this. And all of a sudden, a checkout clerk heard her and she said, wow, ma'am, you are to be commended at how patient you are with little Ellen. And the mom turns back and says, lady, I'm Ellen. Being a parent has its blessings, but it also has its challenges. And I want to go with you now to the book of Deuteronomy. Let's go to the Word of God. Jokes aside, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. And I want to be able to speak a little bit to all the single people and all the sons and daughters that we have in this place. And then I want to share with you a little bit about Ms. Zebedee's prayer. And it might surprise you. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Say, I got it when you're there. All right, we're there. Deuteronomy 5.16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Let's read it again. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. Everybody say commanded you. Tell the person next to you, it's a command that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord God 
is giving you. You know what? This is the only one of the Ten Commandments that has a promise attached to it. All the other ones are just commands. You know, you go down the list of all the Ten Commandments. You should not kill. You should honor your God. You should do this. You should do that. The only one that has a promise attached to it is this. And even though it is a command, you know, nowadays we don't like to be commanded to do anything. Uh, we're living in a society where we don't like to be told what to do. We like to be the boss, and we like to tell other people what to do. But in the kingdom of God, it's different. Just the fact that you mentioned that word kingdom, we talked a little bit about this a few weeks back. A kingdom is where the king rules, and the king says how things should go. Am I right? And then everybody else follows. So God tells us, look, he commands us. He says, honor your father and your mother. But then it starts saying a few things, and there's something attached to it. Now, before we get into what's attached to it, and before we start getting into the blessings that come as a response or as a consequence of honoring our parents, I'd like to point one thing out here in the scripture. Because sometimes we start thinking and we start wanting to, I don't know, draw some footnotes beneath this that God wrote. We say, God, fine, I'm supposed to honor my mother and my father, but they didn't show me the greatest example. They weren't honorable to me. They didn't do a good job of raising me. As a matter of fact, maybe you're sitting there and your experience with your parents wasn't a very positive one, and you're probably asking, I mean, am I off the hook because of this? But if you read very well what we just finished reading, you'll notice that there's no qualification. There's no standard that God imposed that needs to be met. The only requirement for you to honor her is that she is your mother. So if she is your mom and she gave birth to you, then we need to do what? Honor her. If you were raised maybe by somebody that was not your mother, but she took you in, and you have to honor that person. How many say amen? So for whatever reason, maybe she wasn't the best mother. Maybe she wasn't a good example for you to follow, but that doesn't mean you're off the hook. You see, everyone will receive from God according to to your works. Just because she didn't do the job that God called her or that she was supposed to do with you doesn't mean that you should not do the job that God called you to do with your children or towards your parents. I don't know if I'm making myself clear, right? Because God will judge every single one of us according to our works. And sometimes we're so easy to say, well, she didn't do that, then I'm not going to honor her. But that's not what God says. God says that we have to honor our father and our mother, as the Lord our God commanded us. And then it says this. Pay attention. Now, here are the two things that God has to offer when you abide by this commandment. The Bible says that if you do honor your mother and your father, and honoring is not just giving her a Hallmark card and putting a gift card inside on Mother's Day and giving her a big hug. Honoring is obeying. Honoring is blessing them when they're older and they need a place to live or if they're in another country, to be able to send them money to help them out. Honor is not just kissing. It requires action. How many say amen? amen? And if we do that, God says two things will happen. Number one, you will live a long life. How many of you guys are planning on dying young? Right? No one. The Bible says that the best guarantee for this is honoring your mom and your dad. If you want to live a long life, it's a promise of God. And my personal experience with God is that he doesn't lie. What he promises, he accomplishes. 
So if God says, you honor your mother and your father, you know what? If you do that, you're going to reap the consequences and you're going to live a long life. But not only does it say that you're going to live a long life, it also says that you'll be able to enjoy your life. How many say amen to that? How many want to enjoy life? Now, I think the best scenario here for every single one of us is to live a long life and enjoy that long life that we have. It wouldn't be so good if we enjoyed our life, but we lived a very short life. Or if we had a very long life, but we didn't enjoy it. God says that in order to have a long life and to enjoy everything you do under the sun, what we have to do and the commandment that's been given to us is to honor our father and our mother. Everybody say quantity, many years, right? Long life. And now everybody say quality. It says it may be well with you. So God promises that he's going to give you quantity of years and quality of life if you honor your mother and your parents. How about we give a big applause to our mothers, our father who raised us. You know, kids, kids just don't know how much their parents did for them. When I became a parent, my eyes were opened to a lot of things that my parents did for me that I didn't know. I mean, so many years taking care, all the diapers you changed, all the stenches you had to put up with, you know, all the, it's, it's a lot, protecting them, paying the bills, making sure they're fed, bathing them, doing this, all while you're working and providing. It, it's a lot of stuff, but it's an honor when you grow older for your kids to come and say, you know what, I'm grateful for everything you've done. How many say amen to that? So it's important. And when you do this, God says that you will live a long life and be able to enjoy. So the best piece of advice I can give to all the single people here, all the sons, all the daughters, whether you're single or not, is honor your father and your mother. If you still have them alive here, honor them. See, maybe they're not here in the state of Florida, but you know what? Have communication with them. Visit them occasionally. Do your part because God blesses when you honor them. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 20. I want to read something with you. And I want to share with you Miss Zebedee's prayer. Maybe you were asking and thinking about what in the world is Miss Zebedee's prayer? Before we get into reading, I just want to let you know beforehand that a lot of times when we read the story, we think of it in a negative connotation because what she did and what she requested was something that wasn't, not that it wasn't pleasing for God, but it wasn't something that Jesus could do for her. And you'll see when we start reading. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You don't know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, Jesus, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared by my father. How many say amen? amen. Now, Ms. Zebedee, she was aware of all the teachings of Jesus. Her sons had decided to follow Jesus. They were one of the fishermen that when Jesus 
started his ministry after he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and he went into the wilderness to be able to seek God and get direction for everything that God was calling him to do. These were one of the few people that Jesus found in Galilee on the side of the Galilean Sea. When he saw them, he just told them a couple of words. He said, follow me. And the Bible says that they left their nets, they left their boats, they left everything that they had, and they followed Jesus. The Bible specifically says that Zebedee was with them, the dad. And when Jesus called his two sons, they left their father, they left their boats, they left their nets, they left was sustaining their families till that day, and they just decided to follow Jesus. So Miss Zebedee, I'm sure, from what her children will probably tell her, and from hearing all this stuff that Jesus was doing, she knew what Jesus' teaching was. She knew what Jesus was preaching. She knew about Jesus' hype. She knew about all the healings, everything that had happened. She knew about what Jesus would speak about the kingdom. She also was certain that when the Lord formed his kingdom, because Jesus would talk a lot about this, about establishing his kingdom, she knew that their sons would have position of responsibility and authority within the kingdom. But in the first part of this chapter, Jesus tells a story that I guess must have disturbed this woman. Jesus tells a parable, and I want to share it to you. I want to paraphrase it real quick because we don't have time to read the whole thing. In the first verse of this chapter, there's a parable about the kingdom of God being compared to a landowner. And the landowner had a vineyard, and he needed workers for that vineyard. So he went out to the market, kind of like Nowadays, you know, when you need a construction job, you can go to Home Depot, and there's actually people waiting in Home Depot to be employed to do some kind of handiwork. Well, I guess it was something like that. So they went to the market, and the owner of the vineyard, which is represented by God or Jesus, he went and he said, you know what? I need you guys very early in the morning. The sun hadn't even come up. I need a few of you guys to come help me in my vineyard, and I'm willing to pay you one denarius for your wages. So the Bible says that he brought a couple of these people into the vineyard to be able to work. And as they were working, the Bible says that it was a lot of work. So at 9 o'clock in the morning, he went back to the market, contracted another workers and told them, you know, come work. I'll pay you. I'll take care of you guys. Don't worry. I need workers. At 12 o'clock noon, he went back to the market, got more workers. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, went back to the market, contracted more workers, brought them to the vineyard. And at 5 o'clock p.m., he went back to the market for the last time, contracted some workers, brought them into the vineyard to work. Now, the Bible says that at 6 p.m., they finished working when the sun was about to set, and he got all the workers together. And he started calling them up from last to first. So he called up the people that he had just contracted at 5 p.m. And these people had only worked from 5 to 6, just one hour. When they came... Jesus, or the owner of the, of the vineyard, gave him one denarius. So all the people that have been working since 6 a.m. said, whoa, this, this guy's so generous. I'm sure that if he gave these people that worked one hour, one denarius, he's got to be willing to be giving us at least three denarius or five denarius. I don't know, but by the looks of it, this guy's incredibly generous. Guys, get ready. This is going to be payday right here. We're not going to have to work Tuesday through Friday. I mean, we got our whole week done with this. But the Bible says that as they started coming, he would give all of them one denarius. When the last one came that started working at 6 a.m., they were complaining, and they were saying, how come you give us one denarius 
if we've bared the burden of the sun and we've worked from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., we get one denarius, that's unfair. And then the owner started saying, well, I don't think I did wrong to you guys. Did I not contract you to come and work for me for one denarius? And they said, yes. So why do you call me mean for doing what I promised you I would do? And then he finishes this at the end of the parable with a phrase that must have gotten Ms. Zebedee thinking and must have gotten a little bit worried. He finished off the parable by saying, the last will be first in the kingdom of God and the first will be last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now listen, Ms. Zebedee knew that her two sons were part of the inner circle of Jesus. They were two out of the three that Jesus was, you know, when he would go out to pray, he would take them. They were part of that exclusive group of Jesus followers. So when she hears this, that the people that just came along and the smallest one in the kingdom of heaven will be the greatest, she's saying, wait, so, so my children who are the closest to Jesus are going to be last? The Bible doesn't say this, but I'm guessing that she probably heard about this and it started playing tricks in her mind and she went to Jesus and she had a petition. And she asked Jesus that she wanted her two sons when Jesus would come into his throne and we would be all in heaven for one to sit at the left and one to sit at the right. Now, she was, she was wrong in wanting to ask this. You know, sometimes we don't give this woman the benefit of the doubt. But since today's Mother's Day, we're going to give this woman the benefit of the doubt. And she did ask for a few good things for her sons. I think that there's a lot of things that mothers today can copy about what she prayed for the good of her children. And the first thing is, she prayed that her sons might be a part of his kingdom. Everybody say, she prayed that her sons may be a part of God's kingdom. I can't think of a more important task of motherhood than to ensure that your kids are part of God's kingdom. Sometimes we pray for so many things over our children. I'm talking to the parents now. Sometimes we pray for so many things. We pray for God, bless them financially, keep them in good health. We pray, God, that they will be, they will be obedient to, to us as parents. We pray for so many things. But this lady had one concern, and she had one prayer, and she says, I want to make sure that these kids will always be part of the kingdom of God. Such an important thing to pray about. The other week, I was talking to you guys a little bit about me praying with Luca. I pray with him every single night. And one of the things, after I thank God for everything that he's done that day, I mean, we thank God for the food we ate, the food that mommy cooked. We thank God for being able to play with his cousins. He loves playing with his cousins, enjoying the day, being with mommy and daddy. After we get rid of the thankfulness part of our prayer, I start covering him with prayer, and I start declaring and prophesying over his life. And I go, Lord, I pray, God, that he would above and beyond anything that you will do in him and through him, that he will be somebody that would always have the fear of God instilled in his heart, that he will always follow you no matter what, that he will always decide to follow you all the days of his life, that he'll be somebody that's going to be effective in the kingdom, that he'll help build the kingdom of God. And I think for the parents that are here, mother and father, there's no greater prayer that you can do for your children than to pray, God, make sure that they're a part of your kingdom. How many say amen to that? Definitely. We need 
to be able to pass on everything we've learned about serving God and how important God is in our lives to our children. Many mothers pray sometimes out of necessity. Sometimes mothers pray because motherhood is not easy. It's actually pretty difficult. Sometimes mothers pray out of frustration. Being a parent is very difficult, but Ms. Zebedee gives us a valuable example. She prayed that her sons would be a part of his kingdom. We need the same concern for our children. How many say amen? The parents. Where are the parents at? We need the same concern for our children. The Bible says in Mark 8, 36, what does it matter if they gain the whole world but lose their souls? You see, if they're successful in life and they make a lot of money and they buy you a mansion, but then they lose their soul, what good is it? Most important thing is that they're part of the kingdom of heaven. In the heart of every mother and father in this place, there should be a burden to go to the throne of God and pray for our children to always live for Christ. I know there's a lot of young people here in JTP Church, but you know, this is, this is important that you guys listen to you. Maybe you guys are sitting here and saying, you know, I'm not a father. Why did I even come here? I could have been watching, you know, the, are the Spurs playing today? But you know what? This is so important that you hear this while you're still single. Because, you know, the day of tomorrow, you're going to be a father. These are things that you could store in the treasures of your heart so that when the time comes, you know what to do. It's so important. And as a father and as a mother, I know Carly agrees with me, it's so important to be able to bless our children, declare over their lives. You know, parents that are here, you have kids that are already grown up. They're not small like Luca, but continue praying. Whether they're teenagers, whether they're adults already, it's so important. You know, as long as they're still alive, there's still something that God wants to do with them. So it's important to be able to say, God, I want my children to be a part of their kingdom. The second thing that I love that Ms. Zebedee prayed about, she prayed that her sons would be actively involved in the work of his kingdom. You see, it wasn't enough for her to say, oh, yeah, as long as they're a part of the kingdom, it's fine. No, she wanted them actively involved. She wanted them as close to the king as possible. She wanted them involved in everything that's going on. They needed to be actively involved. Churches nowadays are full of people that are content just to fill a seat on a Sunday. But seldom do they get involved in doing any of the real work that the church is called to do. So the prayer of this mother is actually a prayer that should abide in every single parent's heart. But where does the spirit of service begin? Well, everybody say with me, it starts at home. It starts at home with mothers and fathers setting the example and praying that their sons and daughters might be involved in the work of the kingdom as teachers and to grow up in leaders. This is so important for us parents to be able to pass down to our children, for them to see that when we sit down at the table, you know, we're not just talking about making money and how, how we're going to, those things are important too because we need to train our kids to be entrepreneurs, to be people that are going to possess, to be go-getters. But even more important than that, we need to be able to teach our children to serve God, that it's a blessing to serve. And it's, I think, one of the most beautiful things that a family can have and something that I experienced growing up with my parents is to sit down around a table and just to start talking about ministry. I remember when I was still single, living at home, sometimes my mom had to put her foot down and say, hey, no more ministry talk. And we start talking about, oh, how was your day? No, I, I went to school. I, I had this midterm and always end up talking about ministry. This person had a need. We prayed for them or this happened in church. And, and it was just part of our life. It's not just something we do on Sundays. Oh, you know, Sundays we're programmed. 
I'm a Christian on Sundays. I got to go to church. I got to do this. No, it's a part of who I am. And then as we grow up, when you're in the kingdom, when you're serving God, you have a relationship with God, then inevitably that's going to come out of your pores. You can't contain it. And you sit down and you talk, even with friends. I was talking to a few friends from church the other day, and they were telling me about a particular person. We would start talking about anything and everything. They redirect that conversation, always bring it to God and bring it to serving God. And that's something amazing because that shows that you have a relationship with him. You have a passion for him. And that's what Ms. Zebedee's prayer was about. She wanted her children to not only be a part of the kingdom, but she wanted them to be on fire for God. She wanted them to be actively involved, serving God with everything that they had. We're building up children that will serve God. Our generations will be children that will serve God wholeheartedly. So the service of spirit always begins at home. It's important to encourage them to disciple others, just as Jesus taught us. To go out into the world and find the lost and bring them back home. Teach people that there's hope in Jesus Christ. Ms. Zebedee prayed that her children would be actively involved in the work of his kingdom. And we need to walk in her footsteps as well. And last but not least, number three, everybody say, she had big expectations. When you're a part of a kingdom, there's no higher position than those on the right and on the left of the king. How many say amen? You talk about the life of Joseph. Remember when he got thrown into jail? The Bible says that there were two servants of the king that got thrown into jail because one of them was up to no good and they didn't know which one it was, so they went ahead and they threw them both in jail. Since Joseph had a spirit of interpretation, he could interpret dreams. When they were in jail, they both told the dream to Joseph and Joseph interpreted the dream. For one, it was positive. For the other one, it was negative. He told one, look, you're going to be restored and you're going to go back to the king and you're going to continue serving him. And the other one, you were up to no good. Sorry, they're going to take your life and you're gone. When Ms. Zebedee comes to Jesus with this petition, that's what she wants for her kids. She wants her kids to be at the left and at the right of Jesus. Come on. How many of you parents wouldn't like your child to sit at the left or at the right of Jesus? Come on, let's be honest. I know I would love Luca to sit at the left or at the right of Jesus. So she had big expectations. Everybody say big expectations. She didn't pray that her children be doorkeepers. She wanted them as close to the king as possible. Maybe you can consider Ms. Zebedee a little bit presumptuous, but I admire her boldness. She was bold. Nowadays, many people settle for mediocrity in the church. I want to give as little as I can in order to get by. It's time for some of us to take our positions on the left and on the right hand and become leaders in taking the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ into all the world. It's time to strive for excellence, to reach for the very best there is. Jesus calls us to be his disciples and to be effective laborers of his kingdom. Any true servants in this place? Anybody here willing to give everything that they have to serve God? Today we're recognizing that a mother's love is probably the closest example to the love that God has shown us. I think that the closest evidence of God's love here on earth is the love of a mother. It's a love that goes through the valley of the shadow of death in order to bring life into this world. Man, what a woman goes through in order to have her son is crazy. 
But once the son or the daughter is born, I mean, it's like nothing happened because the joy is just so much greater. It's a love that sacrifices over and over and over again. I would even dare to lay her life down for her children. And I read something, true story, that I wanted to share with you. Solomon Rosenberg and his wife and their two sons and his mother and father were arrested and placed in a Nazi concentration camp. It was a labor camp, and the rules were pretty simple. These were the rules. As long as you can do your work, you are permitted to live. When you became too weak to do the work, then you're exterminated. That's it. Executed. Rosenberg watched his mother and father marched off to their deaths. And he knew that next would be his youngest son, David, because David had always been a frail child. He wasn't a bodybuilder. He was very frail, very weak. Every evening, Rosenberg came back into the barracks after his hours of labor and searched for the faces of his family. When he found them, they would huddle together, embrace one another, and thank God for another day of life. One day, Rosenberg came back, and he didn't see those familiar faces. He finally discovered his oldest son, Joshua, in a corner, huddled, weeping, and praying. And he said, Josh, tell me, tell me, please, it's not true. Tell me it's not true. And Joshua turned and said, it's true, Papa. Today, David was not strong enough to do his work, so they came for him. But where is your mother? asked Mr. Rosenberg. Oh, Papa, he said. When they came for David, he was afraid, and he started crying. And Mama said, there's nothing to be afraid of, David. And she took his hand and went with him. That's the love of a mother. Very, very close to the love of God. That is motherhood. Mothers that are here today, we honor you. May God bless you supernaturally. And there's only one love that's greater than the love of a mother. And deeper than a mother's love. And it's the love of our heavenly father. The Bible says that he gave up his son, Jesus Christ, to come and die for all of us. It's a love that sometimes we take for granted. It's a love that because we know the story and we've heard it so many times and we've seen it so many ways through plays, we've seen it through movies, that maybe it gets old, but let me tell you something, the sacrifice of Jesus can never get old. It's the epitome of what love is. Father giving up his son to die for humanity who had turned their back on him. Some people are willing to die and take a bullet for somebody that did good for them. But for somebody that turned their back on them, uh-uh. And that's what Jesus did for our lives. Open your heart to God. He will never, he will never push you to the side. No matter how much you've messed up, no matter how many times you've done the wrong thing, if you're open and you have a repentant heart, God will come and God will start transforming you from the inside out and making a new creation. What you're living today doesn't have to be what you're going to be living tomorrow because God makes all things new. He has the power to change. He has the power to transform. Okay, so I want to do one last thing. I want all the moms to raise their hands. And I want all the future moms to raise your hands. If you have dream as a young lady to one day be a mom. Raise your hand. This is prophetic. Doesn't matter if you see it far, far, far away. Someday you'll be a mom. If that's a desire you have in your heart. And I want to pray for you. Father God, thank you for every single hand that is raised. You know the desires of our heart. 
And you know every person. Your word says that you have searched our heart and know every single detail about us. I pray, God, that just as Ms. Zebedee prayed because she wanted the best for her sons, I pray that you will lift up moms here in JTP Church that will constantly pray over their children, that will constantly pour over their children, prophesy over their lives, declare and want them to be as close as possible to you, Jesus. I declare your favor, your grace over their lives. There's times that it gets hard in motherhood, God, but I pray that even in those times, you're going to hold their hands, you're going to guide them, and they're going to be the best mom that they can be in Jesus' name. I pray for every single young lady that has the dream of one day getting married. Father, in Jesus' name, I declare that every single young lady in this place and every single young man, for that matter, will be married in a good home that they won't have to go through a divorce. And even if they suffered a divorce from their parents, they won't pass that on to their children because you're going to be the one that's going to unite them in Jesus' name. I declare your grace, your favor, your blessing over their lives in Jesus' name to establish a pattern of blessing in their lives that they'll be able to pass on to the children and the children of their children. In Jesus' name, I declare it. Amen and amen. Come on, can we give God a round of applause? Yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good.